Good evening. Uh, it's wonderful to be back with you again this evening for, uh, for worship. Um, I trust that probably most of you were at either one of the services this, this morning. And um, I received um, some uh, uh, constructive feedback after, after the sermon uh, from, from a couple of you this morning, for which I'm very thankful. And um, at the risk of shortchanging you, and uh, even worse, the risk of stealing the glory of Christ. Um, let me, before we go into this evening's sermon, let me add this to what I have to say this morning, if you would. So we spoke about, from Psalm 7, how David's heart was shielded from anger and bitterness, perhaps by his um, calling out to God and his judgment upon his enemies, when he faced unprovoked and unjust attack. Now, we did mention in verse 1 that he, he talks about God as his refuge. Oh, Lord, my God, and you I take refuge. But I think we need to unpack that. How, how, how is this so? David could only know God as his refuge because he looked forward and faced together with all the Old Testament saints to a Messiah, a Redeemer who would bear himself God's wrath on the cross in order to reconcile sinners like David and all of us with the Holy God. But unlike most other Old Testament believers, David himself was also a type like Jacob and others before him, but not all. David was a type and a shadow of this Redeemer to come, I believe, in the following sense. The Savior of this David who was falsely accused would also himself be falsely accused. In John 8, Jesus Christ was falsely accused of being demon-possessed. David likely didn't know that, but today we do, and in Jesus Christ, you and I, and Ukrainian believers, have a Savior who understands what it means to be slandered. And so beyond slandered, David's prayer for judgment on his enemies, if God sees fit to preserve us in the midst of attack... There will indeed be a time for praying the prayer of our slandered Savior for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can I ask you a question this evening? How are you feeling? When was the last time that you really felt scared, or at least a apprehensive. When I asked my uh, seminary colleague back in Ukraine, who's also a, a Presbyterian minister, what the churches overseas should be praying for, he said, for God to help the people overcome fear and panic. Now let me help you imagine what sort of reason, and, and indeed, seal have gotten some sense this morning, but what sense are, what sort of reason the people from our 
Presbyterian church plant in Kiev might have for fearing right now. The air raid sirens continue across Ukraine, not just in those parts that have been occupied. The uh, missiles fall in many of these cities. It's not the same as on television, although I have to say I myself have been fortunate not either in Donetsk in 2014 or in Kiev or any other city this year to have actually been there close to the shelling. But from what I hear, it's a, it's a genuinely terrifying thing, even to have been close to death. And as I, I, I know, I, one of the men I serve alongside in the church plant was himself a pastor near Donetsk in eastern Ukraine in 2014. And you can see, uh, he since moved to Kiev, and you can see even eight years later, and I'm speaking if now before February, the, the sense of emotional um, pain or, or damage that, that, um, uh, that was wreaked from, from that experience of having to uproot his family and flee to safety. But brothers and sisters and friends, there's a, there's a song I believe that all of us need to hear at times of fear. A song that brings comfort and assurance as it reminds us at a time when the world is focused on an evil dictator. It reminds us who is really in charge. That song is Psalm 46, which is our sermon passage this evening. And as we get ready to read it, let's again turn to our God in prayer. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your spirit. And we ask that you would apply by the power of your spirit your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I remind you, this is God's holy and inerrant word. We read from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. Thus far, 
the reading of God's word. In verses 6 to 11, the context of this psalm seems to refer to war. Although in verse 1, it refers more generally to troubles. Now, a few things are more unsettling than war, but potentially, one of them might be If you and if you imagine this, if if the if the ground below you began to shake or even collapse, verse two a, though the earth gives way. Now, I don't live in a place where earthquakes happen, and in fact, I've never lived in a place like that. But a quick Google revealed that Vancouver is indeed such a place, as I understand it. Apparently, so. So you may have a better idea of what this feels like than I do. The, the psychological shock. You know very well the phrase, the idiom, to, to stand on solid ground. There's danger at sea or in the air in an airplane to some degree. And there are some places that we know on earth that are unpredictable. There's the swamps, the quicksand. But what could be safer than when standing on solid ground. That, we take that for granted all day long, every day. But what if it began to move so violently that you, you fell down and you couldn't even get up again? What if holes began to open up around you and there was nowhere safe to run? You would be in panic. You would fear for your life. Or look at verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam, the sea can be dangerous even when things are relatively calm. And if you were in a small boat during a storm, you would know no doubt about such danger. Sometimes the waves are much bigger. They can even become vertical as if they, they would if the mountains moved into the heart of the sea. Now probably some of you remember the, the news of the tsunami, those of you no doubt who are older, which occurred in the Indian Ocean in 2004. The, uh, um, the waves there reached 30 meters in height, almost 200 and 30,000 people tragically lost their lives as a result of that tsunami. The situation described here in this psalm is, is fearful and it is dangerous. But then there is also different, circumstance, different circumstances later in the psalm, just as frightening, but right now, and especially for uh, our people in Ukraine, even more relevant war verse 6 the nations rage and the kingdoms totter now there's nothing in this in this particular psalm it seems that helps us to tie this to a specific event in the history of Israel and i think that that's no no accident i think here we have a psalm that was relevant and helpful 
in various frightening circumstances in the life of God's people in Israel. And, and of course, as a result, we have a psalm here that's relevant and helpful to the various frightening circumstances of God's people today. Now, if there are any doubts that verse 6 is really talking about war, then I think these should disappear in verse 9. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 6, the, the nations rage. An army amassed along the border of Ukraine from three directions. The, the raging speech of a dictator on March 21, officially declaring war on the very idea that Ukraine is even a country. The nation's rage. Cities attacked over a huge country with fighter jets and tanks and missiles. So if the circumstances, the troubles described in the the psalm are similar in some way today, if the reasons for fear are similar today, then again, what are the answers, the solutions to such fear? Now, if I told you God is the answer, I suspect that you might smile just a little bit and say to yourself, well, yes, of course. As in Sunday school, that is always the right answer. But in this psalm, it really is emphasized that God himself, in the most direct way, is the answer for you and me in the context of tension or fear or danger. In verses 2 to 3, we looked at the the natural dangers of earthquake, perhaps a tsunami, and the hypothetical situation of the mountains falling into the sea. And the psalmist says that in all these circumstances, even if the mountains fall into the sea, we will not be afraid. Verse 2, Therefore, we will not fear. Why? Well, verse 1 tells us, doesn't it? God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I think it was about mid-January when the government of Ukraine published a map of bomb shelters in Kiev. Unfortunately, when a, a correspondent of the BBC tried to use this map to find them and explore and see if there really was real access to them, the first two uh, that she tried didn't seem to offer too much hope. The first one she tried uh, turned out to be a clothes store, uh, which was also closed and locked up. The second one turned out to be in the corner of a building where the entrance had been hidden and blocked for the past 14 years, according to the owner of the store next door. So it would seem, unfortunately, that not every bomb shelter is a genuine shelter from danger. But what if your shelter is God himself? That's what the psalmist says. 
Are you anxious? Run to God. Do you need protection? Run to God. Are you in danger? Seek safety in God himself. Well, what about the war? The psalmist reminds us here that God is in charge. He is the main commander. He is the Lord of hosts. That is the, the, the Lord of armies. So when the nations rage, all he has to do, verse 6, is open his mouth. He utters his voice. The earth melts. And that's why verse 10 reminds us that it, is, that it is God who stops wars. It is He who can destroy the weapons of war. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth and He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. We need God and His presence. Now verses 4 and 5 give us a view of the future New Jerusalem, described, as you, most of you well know, at the end of the book of Revelation, where we get to enjoy the fullness of God's special presence everywhere and all the time. The streams are the streams of the Holy Spirit, the, the presence of God himself. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of her. Now in a sense, isn't this the very heart of redemption? In a sense, isn't the heart of redemption is this path which only Christ makes possible of this path of returning into God's presence. After the fall when man was expelled from Eden, where he enjoyed God's close presence. And that's why this vision of the new Jerusalem we just talked about is so important. Nothing is more precious than being with God. Jesus is the Savior because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. And verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. This psalm does not say that God is with the Ukrainian people or the people of Canada. He is saying that he is with his people, which includes Ukrainians and Russians and folk from Northern Ireland and also folk from Vancouver. All people who, like Abraham, have believed in God and the Savior Jesus Christ, he's given for sinners like us. But the psalm is relevant for all who live in frightening circumstances today even in the midst of war. God is in control. Look with me at verse 6. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now what does this little phrase mean? Easy to pass over in the first reading. Well, I think if I was trying to sell a book or to get as many likes on a a Facebook post as possible, I would probably tell you that this proves that you need to get up early in the morning. Just like all successful billionaires such as Mark Zuckerberg, who get up at 5 a.m. to meditate and to plan out their day ahead. God will help you when morning dawns. But no, this is a very interesting verse, but for very different reasons. Let me ask you this. When does your enemy try to attack you? At the time of greatest surprise. It's been that always. In modern times, that's probably during the middle of the night. But back then, they did not have night vision goggles. And usually the time of attack was at first light, early in the morning, when if you're like me, you may still be asleep. But just light enough to see, but early enough to be a surprise to your hopefully sleeping enemy. But even more interesting is that this phrase in the Hebrew, when morning dawns, appears one other place in the, in the Bible. And that is actually in Exodus 14, verse 27. When we read, as we read earlier, So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Brothers and sisters and friends, do you see? God helped at the very time when the enemy attacked. God helped and the enemy army of Egypt was destroyed. We do not know the future of this war in Ukraine. But we do know that God has been with his people in Ukraine at the time of this attack. The God who is our refuge, the God who never changes, is the God who is in charge. He is the one to whom Putin and all other worldly leaders must answer. He is our true shelter. And he does not, he does not promise that those Ukrainians bravely defending their homeland, fighting the tanks of the invader, he does not promise that they will not be killed. But you see, even in physical death, there is no separation of the believer from the presence of God. Quite the contrary. No one wishes death. No one wants to live under fear. No one seeks that or should seek it. But facing these things and having every human reason for fear, we have an answer from God in this song. And how we need the sweet melody of this psalm today, how the brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Kiev need to hear it, trapped in bomb shelters or in their flats, their apartments, physically with 
nowhere to go sometimes. But this psalm tells them, and it tells us, we have an answer, and we do have somewhere to go. It tells us that we can run to God. Our shelter, accessible through Christ, who gives us 100% eternal protection from any danger, even from death itself. God is helping now the enemy has appeared. And indeed, over the past 150 days, we've seen God answering our fervent prayers for the protection of our people and for the thwarting of the attacker's plan. Brothers and sisters and friends, God is our refuge and help. We will not fear. Amen. Oh, Father God, we, we thank you that you are the ever-present God. When we, all of us standing in Adam, when we rebelled against you, you did not abandon us as we deserved. But Father, we thank you even back then for the promise of a Savior and for a plan to bring us back into your special presence. We thank you that you are a refuge, a very present help in, in trouble. Father, we, we pray that you would Forgive us for when we look elsewhere for help, for safety. We ask you, Lord, would you remind us of where our eternal and our 100% secured, guaranteed refuge and safety is. We thank you that in Christ we have access to you and know you as our protector and our king and our savior. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.